The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to be inspired, uplifted, and motivated to greatness? It's time for Star Style. Be the star you are. With your effervescent personal growth coaches, the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and health specialist, Heather Brittany. Define your vision, discover your passion, and design your future in this power-packed hour of life-changing talk radio. Featuring authors and success experts dedicated to helping you achieve the results you deserve. Be entertained, edutained, encouraged, and empowered. Smile, have fun, and celebrate you. Explore your potential and embrace your possibilities with your hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany on Star Style. Be the star you are, starting right now. Well, hello, it is playtime on our power party here at Star Style. Be the star you are. My name is Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And as always, we're happy to be your personal growth success coaches on the airwaves with you. Every week we have you on our radar and we want your dreams to come true. So sit back, relax, grab that cup of tea, fix what's broken, heal what hurts, and be ready to become the person you were born to be. The Miracle Moment is brought to you by Star Style, Be the Star You Are radio show. For sponsorship information, call 925-377-STAR or email Cynthia at star-style.com. And this is from Epictetus. First say to yourself, what would you want to be? Then do what you would have to do to be it. I'm doing a lot of be-do lately on these quotes, but I love it. (laughs) I think the book is coming back. I know, I know. As soon as I can get a minute, it's, as people know, this last month and a half has been a crazy, crazy time with so many technological issues and phones going out and computers. And so I'm just getting kind of back in the saddle. Hopefully people got the newsletter uh, that are subscribed in this past week. And if not, you can follow the blogs or check us out on Facebook or go to be the star you are dot org or btsya.com and check things out. So apologies if anyone feels that uh, I've been behind the eight ball, but I have been. <laughs> uh, the good news is, though, I had um, I just had two little, no, no, not two, three little chicks hatch. Yay! Yay! Yeah. And the mother is still sitting on eggs, and I think we're going to have more. So, But they are just so adorable. And as any child who has ever held a baby chick knows, there's just nothing like these baby chicks. And they're... They, they're so cute working with the mom, and she just cluck clucks. It's, it is pretty adorable. Oh, I know. And I want to give a, a big shout-out, too, to all the success of last weekend for all of the fundraising efforts for Be The Star You Are. 
Oh, thank you. I was just going to say that. A big thank you to our sponsors of, of the Moraga Fair booth, Comerford Solar, and to the Car Wash Hoeing Sit. We had uh, just a huge amount of volunteers, and also a big thank you to all the volunteers who did all the work. It was a really hot day, and it was like 95 degrees, but we had tons of people get their car washed, and tons of people stop by to get... Um, to see books and to meet our writers. And, you know, we were so busy, Heather, that none of us ever got out of the booth. We were just like running between car wash and booth. And I really couldn't even tell you what else was at the fair. But it was a great day for all. And Be yeah. the Star You Are was very happy. So thank you. And, you know, um, our new star donations director, or our donation star, as he prefers to be called, Hoeing Sit, <laughs> is, really is looking for uh, more, uh, more great volunteers that we can start some great programs with. So send me an email if you want to get involved with Be The Star You Are. we got a lot of fun things planned. Cynthia at star-style.com. Well, let's get to what we're talking about on today's yeah. show. It's, uh, it, we're going to be featuring an interview with the author of the Indie Pick of the Month of May, Helene Wecker, with uh, her novel, The Golem and the Genie. It's a magical tale of two mythical creatures struggling to fit in among uh, the New York's um, 1899 immigrants that are coming to this country. And it is, this is a first novel for her, and it is super popular. The books are just flying, flying off the bookshelf. So it's going to be really fun to interview uh, Helene. That'll be coming up in our last segment. So everyone, you have to stay tuned to the very end. Segment two, we're going to learn how to be super safe cyclists. And, you know, so many people are riding bikes everywhere these days. And unfortunately, there's a lot of accidents and even deaths because cyclists are not being safe. So we're going to talk about that. But right now, coming up in Health Matters, Heather, our resident health uh, specialist, is going to help us have sweet-smelling breath. And, <laughs> and you know, we all want to be able to give hugs and kisses, and there's nothing worse than meeting someone with halitosis. Or even it's nothing worse than realizing that our own breath still smells like our tuna lunch or like stale coffee or worse. So, Heather, I, you know, I know that having good oral hygiene is kind of circled around besides brushing and flossing and all that, eating certain foods. So how would we fight halitosis? Well, completely. I have to say, being a daughter of a dentist, he once told me that, you know, he knew I had an infected tooth because he could smell it when I was winning. And I thought, oh, my God, I had the tooth. Oh, my God, I have terrible breath. But there's something a lot of people, you know, don't realize that we need to brush and floss and tongue cut. It's a whole routine. And actually, if, if you, you know when a dog licks your face and people think, ew, gross, dog, dogs, animals, mouths are actually cleaner than humans. We have about 600 kinds of bacteria in our mouth. And the biggest thing where it all comes down to, um, well, one, you know, brushing, flossing is so important. I want to just get to that, that a lot of people... Those little particles that in there build up, um, our oral health can say a lot. If you have poor oral health, that can actually affect into your bloodstream and go and, and cause heart attacks and various things like that. But it's one of the first things. I, I've not until I've gotten older, I've realized how teeth are such 
some if someone has poor teeth, you know, especially for breath, breath is something refreshing and good and all of that. But a big thing is dehydration. You know, when you brush your teeth before bed, you have that clean, minty feeling. You wake up in the morning and you have that quote-unquote morning breath. So what happens is we open, when we sleep sometimes at night, our mouth open, and what happens is we're sucking in dry air, our mouth dries out, and that causes bacteria. And that smell that we're smelling is the smell of bacteria. So oftentimes when we either drink things, um, it, it, the big thing is keeping your mouth hydrated. Uh, just from the get-go, from the get-go of keeping your mouth at a, at a, you know, saying you just didn't eat a garlic burger is water, drinking water all day long, keeping your mouth hydrated. You know, it's a $6 billion industry each year, people buying gum and breast mints, which is sort of just a band-aid to the issue. It's not cleaning, it's just making it sound, smell fresher. But once we get rid of that gum, again, we get dried out. That's why sometimes with smoker, I mean, smoking in general has a terrible smell to it. But why they, they tend to have terrible or is that their mouth is still dry. Some of the things that you're running, you know, if you're doing a hot yoga class, your mouth gets dried out. You're eating something, you get a dried out mouth, and that causes the bacteria that causes bad breath. So one of the first things, if you're on that date going out at dinner, um, it's viewed as just sort of a garnish, but that little piece of parsley that's on your, your thing that comes with your meat or whatever, that can actually be a breathalyzer. Um, just chewing on it. Somewhere if you're in the garden, you, know, you can grab some fresh mint, but there's these things called uh, polyphenols, which they cause you to have bad breath. So take that little piece of parsley, chew it up, and it'll help cleanse your breath. Same thing with pe- uh, basil. Basil, too. Um, it can actually help uh, mask the smell of garlic, which we all know, too, when you're eating garlic, the next day it's going to seep out your pores. But in those kiss, you know, in the moment things, eating basil or parsley, which are oftentimes garnish um, with your dinner. Another thing vegetarians have up with them, say, I'm a vegetarian, um, meat eaters tend to have, uh, in general, just uh, more harsher breath after meals because, um, not to sound bad, I, I'm all for meat eaters, I'm just not one myself. Um, when you're eating the meat, it's sort of uh, it's digesting and it's, it's sort of... Um, I, I don't want to say uh, going bad, <laughs> the, the saline in your mouth. So meat eaters tend to have more harsher breath. One thing, too, if you're ever, you don't have that breast mint or thing, is dairy products. Surprisingly, I know sometimes we associate sour milk smell or taste. Um, now eating a piece of cheese can help find out as well as probiotics. We all know how probiotics are great for either our digestive system. Um, we try to you know, eat about six ounces a day, but having just some uh, plain yogurt, especially the ones that are high, you know, the, I'm really big right now on Greek yogurt. It's really good, it has lots of protein in it, but eating that concept, those active cultures can actually help you avoid, um, and make sure you don't have it with an unsugared, um, so like a plain one, because the sugar, you know, can add to cavities. But with that, the plainer, it has something that actually absorbs the bacteria, so it'll take away a bit of, um, we the bad taste with that and so other thing too again you're out we're trying to the whole segment here is we're trying to just think if you're on the fly you're out at dinner what to do you just ate things another thing is cherry and lettuce um, lettuce can also beat bad breath because they've shown that it removes the, the methyl the smell of it too so when it comes to we're lucky 
you know, at our house, what we're experiencing right now is mint is almost like a weed. It's grow. We have this little potting plant that we we planted four different kinds of mint, and now it's just taking over. So what I've been doing sometimes is making homemade tea. I've been taking some lavender and taking some of the mint. And tea is another thing. So many times, I've actually been in the Starbucks, and they sell these little, it's such a hypocrisy, they're selling, selling these little gums that are to get rid of that coffee breath. And that's the thing, again, when we drink coffee, coffee is a dehydrant. Though it wakes us up in the morning, it dehydrates our system. For every cup of coffee, you should have a glass of water. It's dehydrating you. Um, but it also, not only is it dehydrating your system, it's dehydrating your mouth. So that's why after we drink coffee, we have that, quote, unquote, coffee breath, that first, you know, warm breath. So instead, sometimes drink some cool tea. Green tea has actually been shown that it can show uh, harsher breath because of the way it's processed. But black tea, if you need that caffeine in the morning and you might have a, you know, job interview, drinking some unsweetened black tea, and you can even make it cold. Um, cooler temperatures are also going to help um, with bad breath, too. And even vegetables in general that don't have... Um, you know, those high uh, methanol things. There's like cucumber, anything that has a high amount of water in it, watermelon. Um, finding foods that have a high concentration of water in it is going to keep your mouth hydrated, thus giving you better breath when it comes to these meals. Something to keep in mind, too, if it's, uh, if you're our plenty is we know that garlic is one of the huge things that, that quote unquote, you know, garlic breath that tires us out. Garlic is going to seep through your pores the next day. I've definitely had some embarrassing times when I've been at the gym and I can just feel it coming out or especially eating foods in the raw. Um, my fiance will not sit next to me after I eat leeks, which I love leeks, but they are in the onion and family. And, oh, gosh, it just comes out of your pore and comes out of your breath. And I swear there's not enough toothpaste to get rid of it. But parsley is, again, big. Parsley, basil, cucumbers, anything that has um, a natural mint to it and has a high water content is going to help, uh, you know, help breath-wise. Have you experienced anything in the garden? Any of your personal little tips? Is that you were talking about? the mints and then teas and other herbs something else that is really really great for fighting bad breath is fennel which is a, a plant that's very easy to grow and it tastes like licorice so if anybody yeah it almost has that that uh, on it that uh, yeah it just has a licorice taste so if you just pick a piece if you grow fennel and you pick a piece off uh, and you just chew on it it immediately gets rid of any bad breath and actually gives you a very sweet smelling breath but you were talking about um, the mints and making teas and that is such a great idea because you can make mint with uh, I mean you can make teas with a lot of different herbs those all those different mints that you're growing you can make a mixture of uh, the teas as well as you can add in things like fennel you can add in rose petals and you can actually make almost a rose water tea and if you have leftover tea I always make a pot of tea as opposed to just putting it in a cup you know you just I put all these leaves in and then you strain it but once it's it's hot you can go ahead and put it in the refrigerator and then use it as an iced tea and that really is a, a good thing to do. Yeah, and as I said, the cooler temperatures are going to, again, it all goes together, but the cooler temperature of a beverage is going to keep your mouth cooler, thus to 
keeping your breath cooler and cleaner. And they've actually recently come out with some type mint flowers that are um, like refreshers, that they're hydrating the, your mouth. They're not just kind of giving you something to chew on. And something, you know, I touched on in the beginning that, you know, when you get those puppy dog kisses and you think, oh, how dogs mouth, even the you know, the, the things they lick and eat and touch are actually cleaner than ours. If you've ever seen your dog eating grass or things, is that the way of them cleaning their teeth? That grass, that grass is actually cleansing their teeth. So dogs, so, you know, dogs are gods. Dogs are right up on it. The animals have all, you know, done this for years and years trying to cleanse their breath. Eating green things, especially, you know, the mint, the catnips over the gas, it means anything with a high uh, water content is going to keep your, your breath really fresh. As we know, summer is coming, bikini season. If you're not already hooked and you're looking for someone, you want to have that fresh, fresh breath. Well, so we also, we talk about um, herbs and vegetables and leafy greens a lot, you know, in our health segment and just in the gardening segments that I do. But, you know, when you think about it, it's almost anything that's green is going to help, whether it is kale, uh, spinach, Swiss chard, or you can even chew on some edible flowers. And again, you know, as you said earlier, that apple is always good. Apples are breath cleansers, as are citrus. So lemons, they oranges. Have water. They have high water content. Again, yeah, it's as we it's know, it's why you water. get bad breath is your, your mouth is dehydrated. And that's well, let's keep that's our breaths clean, and then that way, and our teeth clean, and don't forget to brush and to floss and to rinse, and that way you don't have to be part of that multi-billion dollar effort exactly. just to buy breath mints. All, all of this talking is getting my mouth dehydrated so so that I have good breath. I'm going to sign off, but I'm going to say uh, we want you to check out our website. Go to BeTheStarYouAre.com as well as BeTheStarYouAre.org. Oh, great. And after the break, we're going to go on a bike ride, uh, a safe one, of course. So stay right here on Star Style, Be The Star You Are. My name is Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Rainey. And we'll be back. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are. Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword World Talk Radio. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. How do you build and maintain long-term client relationships that garner referrals? Try some of these suggestions. Be upfront. Honesty is the best policy. Even though people have bad news, it's best to tell the truth when any problems arrive. Listen with both ears. You'll strengthen relationships by really listening to your client. Talk less, listen more. Do what you say you'll do. In other words, show up, follow up, and follow through. Put the client you're with first. Make every client feel like she is the most important person that's with you because she is. That means paying close attention and not multitasking when in a conversation. And gratitude works. Be grateful and say so. The more gratitude you show, the more you'll have to be thankful for. Analyze your client's needs. Don't sell them. Other benefits that they can use and you will build relationships that are enthusiastic and long-lasting. 
You are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan from Star Style with another business bite. For more information, visit starstyleproductions.com or call 925-377-STAR. Are you a teenager with lots to say but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard on the radio program Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel and join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com. You can express yourself. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Be the star you are. Light up the flame. Get a positive prescription for living and discover a cure for adversity when you make a difference in the lives of others by donating to Be The Star You Are, a 501c3 top-rated charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through increased literacy, positive media, and tools for living. www.bethestarur.org All donations are tax-deductible. www.bethestarur.org What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk Radio show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Be the star you are, you are the star. Get ready to be inspired, entertained, and motivated to greatness with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Turn up the volume. Tune in to the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Now, back to the program with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Well, thanks for staying tuned here to the Power Hour on World Talk Radio. I'm your personal growth coach, Cynthia Bryan. And this program is brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity, where donations are necessary and welcome. So make a donation today. As a tribute, a memorial, a gift, or just because, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org or BTSYA.com. So, are you a super safe cyclist? No wonder bicycling is booming. Almost a third of U.S. workers now live within five miles of their workplace. And the cost to maintain a bike is, you know, is pretty cheap. It's under $300 a year compared to the thousands that it takes to run a car. From the year 2000 to 2010, the ranks of bike commuters grew 40%. That is huge. That is huge. So what's happening now is that more people are riding their bikes. And so we want to know how to ride more safely because 
this is actually bike my bike month, and we need to learn to be street wise when it comes to bicycling. Number one, you got to be hard headed, and that means that head injuries cause three fourths of U.S. bicycle fatalities. But a bike helmet worn properly is up to 85% effective at reducing a head injury uh, during a crash or a fall. It should sit level, one to two finger widths above your eyebrows, and the straps should be snug enough that it can't move more than an inch in any direction. So, you know, if you see people out there without a helmet on, it's really not a good idea. In uh, in many cities and states, uh, riding with a helmet is mandatory. So make sure that you check the uh, the laws also when you're on a bike. So now you want to stand out in the crowd. Something else when you are bicycling, wear bright clothing to make yourself obvious to the cars around you. Equip your bike with both a headlight and a taillight for night riding, and then add reflectors as well. Now, think with four wheels. What this means is, you know, bicyclists are motorists in the eyes of the law. So that means drivers owe you the same courtesy and leeway that they owe to cars, but that doesn't make you special as a bicyclist. So you have to obey all the signs and the lights just as if you were driving, and you have to yield to pedestrians and yield to cars, stop at stop signs, and I really want to emphasize this because every time I have to go to the airport, I drive on this back road that is, it's a beautiful back road, but it's, it's through the redwoods. It's very, very windy. It's very narrow and it's on cliffs. And it is also a favorite bike path of, uh, of cyclists. But what makes it bad is the bicyclists that are there, they are not watching for for traffic, and they, they're just zooming, and they come around these turns on the wrong side. I have seen several accidents. I have seen several cars over the side, several bicyclists over the side, and hopefully there weren't fatalities, but you never know. And I've also been places where I'll stop, you know, I'll come to a stop sign or a stop light, and a bicyclist just goes zooming through. So just remember as eco-friendly as being a bicyclist is, it's you still have to obey the laws. Now, go with the flow. Always move predictably and defensively. Watch for hazards ahead. Ride in the direction of the traffic. Signal when turning or changing lanes. And stay to the right when riding among faster vehicles and bikes. Remember that in many places... It's illegal for anyone but children to ride a bike on the sidewalk. So don't ride on the sidewalk. Stay to the bike paths unless you know that it's allowed. Now keep a clear head. Cycling under the influence of alcohol is illegal in many states for a reason. It's dangerous. In 2010, one-fifth of all bicycling fatalities involved a rider with a blood alcohol level at or above the legal limit for drivers. So just because you're on a bicycle, don't think that the law won't apply to alcohol. So beware for that. It's the same like when you are driving boats. Now, love the one you're with. You wouldn't own a car that doesn't drive easily, so buy a bike that fits and feels good. When you straddle a road bike, there should be an inch or two between you and the top bar and then three or four inches on a mountain bike. 
treat your bike to the same love you'd give a new car. Book regular checkups so the gears and the brakes won't ever let you down. And then just have fun out there biking. And if you are one of those people that live within biking distance of your work, do consider uh, leaving the car at home and taking your bicycle. Not only will you be getting exercise and some fresh air, but you will also be saving the environment. I know that Heather bicycles to work every single day. It's just a few miles. And, uh, of course, she also lives by the beach, so she gets to go by the beach. But that is a really good thing to do. So be a safe cyclist, have fun, and obey the laws. Now, I want to give you a couple of um, a little before we go to our author and a break. Uh, just some inspiration, and this is called Courage is Necessary. In human beings, courage is necessary to make being and becoming possible. An assertion of the self, a commitment, is essential. It is essential if you want to have any reality. This is the distinction between human beings and the rest of nature. The acorn becomes an oak by means of automatic growth. There's no commitment necessary. But a man or a woman becomes fully human only by his or her choices and his or her commitment to them. People attain worth and dignity by the multitudes of decisions they make from day to day. These decisions require courage. Courage is essential to our being. And you want to be taken serious and you want to be, you know, better at what you're doing. Just remember if to be if you're going to write to be a very clear, succinct, convincing writer because the way you think and the way you write is what creates your your value to the people who read it. Now, I'm a writer and it's really important to me that everything that goes out is well written and then it is also not only well written but is uh, edited. So that in that is even on blog posts. At Be The Story You Are, a lot of our teens are writing blogs, and in fact, we're going to be doing a show on Express Yourself Teen Radio about blogs. And the number of poorly written blogs that come across each month is really staggering and saddening. The grammar's off, there's tons of misspellings, language is wordier or more complex than necessary, and sometimes you read things and they make no sense at all because writing has become a lost art. And many professionals don't even realize how essential a job skill it actually is. So if you're not a writer by trade as I am, every time you click publish on a blog or post on a LinkedIn update or send on an email, you're actually writing and you're putting something out into the world. And if you want to be thought of as a, a smart thinker, you must become a better writer. So if you want to be taken seriously by your manager, your colleagues, your potential employers, your clients, your prospects, you really need to write succinctly. And it's not just you who has to become better. It's all of us. I'll be the first to admit that, you know, every time I write, I want to be better at it. So here are a couple of ways that can help you be a great writer. Number one, of course, is to practice. Always practice, practice, practice. Because practice does make per- per- uh, make perfect. Say it out loud. Read all any article or anything that you write out loud before you push publish, and that includes your emails. Make it more concise. Less is often more. Work on your headlines, and that means your subject lines too. You know, that's like 50% of your writing is a headline. And then read it. Read it and improve it. 
and enjoy the writing process. When we come back from break, we are going to be talking to a writer, a new author, whose books are just flying off the, sal- off the shelf. It is The Golem and the Genie. It is Helene Wicker coming right up. So stay with us. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I'll be right back. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at World Talk Radio. Be the star you are light up the flame that burns make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support be the star you are 501c3 a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women families and youth visit be the star you are.org to make a tax deductible donation today everyone counts donate today be the star you are.org. Be the lucky star you are. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com. CynthiaBryan.com. You can be the star you are. Looking for unique, one-of-a-kind gifts for the special woman in your life? The Carmony Collection creates handmade handbags, clutches, candles, and canvases from vintage and recycled fabrics, bangles, and beads. Be eco-friendly and fashionable with prices for all pocketbooks. Visit www.carmonycollection.com. That's Carmony with a K and Collection with a K. Or call 925-785-7827. Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at World Talk Radio. Be the star you are. You are the star. Turn up the volume, grab a seat, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and motivated to greatness. It's power party time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your hosts, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Well, thanks for staying here where the world comes to talk and listen. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style. Be the star you are. Well, I had never heard of a golem and only knew about genie spelled with a G from like the Arabian Night Tales until I picked up Helene Wecker's magical tale of two mythical creatures, the golem and the genie. It's combining Jewish and Arab folklore. It's an enchanting novel of historical fiction detailing the immigrant experience in New York City in 1899. It's kind of taking the world by storm, and it's a debut novel. Welcome, Helene, to Star Style. Be the star you are. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm really excited about your book because I know that this is a first novel and your background makes you so uniquely qualified to write this kind of 
tale. You're Jewish. You're married to a Syrian Arab. You're both the children of immigrants. Tell us how your background influenced this, uh, this, you know, historical novel. Well, what happened was I was um, getting my master's uh, in creative writing, and I was working on this uh, collection of short stories that were sort of linked, and they were tales from my family and from my husband's family. And like you said, I'm Jewish and he's Arab-American. And what had always sort of uh, struck me about our family histories is how similar they are around um, specifically issues of coming to American immigration and language and culture and that feeling that so many immigrants have of, of being sort of a stranger in all worlds. Um, but the problem was that the stories weren't, uh, they weren't coming together very well. Um, I wasn't partly, I just wasn't a very good writer at that point. But um, a friend of mine suggested that maybe I was too close to the material. The stories were too well known to me, and that was part of the reason why I was having problems with them. And she said, well, why don't you try to toss something in that will sort of create some distance for you? And she knew that I loved to read science fiction and fantasy, and I loved stories that had like elements of folklore and fantasy in them. And she suggested I tried that. And it, it, it sort of, it, it just changed the whole thing. And that was the start of the book. And so instead of my Jewish girl and Arab American boy, I had a golem and a genie. Well, you know, I had never, as I said, had never heard of a golem, which is a, a bean made of clay and then the genie, and the way you spell it, J-I-N-N-I, which probably is the real way to spell it instead of like I dream of genie or genie in a bottle, is, um, is, is filled with fire. So tell us about the historical significance of both of these because, you know, I don't know if in, unless you're part of these particular cultures, people think of genies, you know, as the magic carpet ride, that kind of thing, Arabian Nights, mm-hmm. but the golem... I don't know too much about it. Could you explain what they really what, what they really are? So, um, in sort of Jewish myth and folklore, uh, golem is a creature usually created out of clay and sort of animated um, by usually a rabbi, someone who will be its master, and they're they're created to be protectors and to be servants. Um, the most famous golem story um, comes from medieval Prague, uh, where a rabbi uh, named uh, Rabbi Lowe created a golem to, project, to protect the Jews of Prague from the pogroms that were happening at the time. And in various versions of the story, the golem um, sort of becomes too big and powerful and starts to run amok and, and disobey its creator and actually starts to harm the community that it was supposed to protect until the uh, until the rabbi sort of deactivated or, or destroyed it. Um, and, and so it's it's sort of that you know old story of you know the Frank Frankenstein's monster or any number of you know sort of robots run amok tales from science fiction and fantasy of like what happens when we create life that approaches human but isn't quite and what's what are the dangers there and what's lost in sort of the gap it's like um, the 2001 a space odyssey you know or you know or we have hal the computer totally space. totally or um blade runner the uh the replicants in blade runner or um you know any number of star trek episodes and but the yeah difference, I, 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 the difference <laughs> in your golem is she 
she almost has a soul. She's so yeah. kind. And it just, it unnerves her the couple of times that she does feel her power and actually exert it. This, it's not in her nature. She actually considers destroying herself. Right. Because she's sort of trapped that she has this, uh, as part of her nature is, is this real duty to those around her, this, this real feeling of wanting and needing to serve those around her, but at the same time she's frightened of her own power. And one of her dilemmas is should she destroy herself to keep herself from inadvertently harming others? Well, and she starts off, it's, a, it's so interesting the way you start her off of and how she's made. And, of course, the two things that she is given by her maker or with the requested by her master is that she has intelligence and curiosity, which usually are not things that the golem, from what I gathered, were, you know, were asked to be. So right. she was different, actually, from the very beginning. And then the, the genie... The genie is a fire, a, a fire uh, mythical creature. So tell us about the genie because they, in the book, the golem and the genie, you talk about the jinn flying around through the desert. And I had never even heard it um, talked about in that way that there's all these jinn that they can, that they're kind of like shapeshifters. They can take on any kind of, of uh, existence. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, sorry. Hi, I can hear you now. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so I was just, so I was saying that they're, the jinn are like the shapeshifters in the desert and they can be a jackal or they can, Mm -hmm. they can, you know, make things appear and disappear. So what is the background, the historical background there? Well, um, the stories of of the jinn have um, been in uh, the Middle East and, and Arabia since, for time immemorial, as, as far back as, as I, you know, could could see uh, in the, in the research, um, and they really are um, today sort of worked in uh, into their um, part of of Islam. They're mentioned in the Quran. Um, they're sort of still a fact of life for many people living in the Middle East and and many Muslims. Um, that in, in the same way that that angels are a part of Christianity, um, and they. Uh, are like you say there there are many many different kinds there are just legions of different kinds of 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 jinn and so that that sort of made it sort of hard and easy while I was doing the research that I wanted to stay true to the myths but at the same time and the stories but there were so many that it was hard to sort of and they, so many of them contradicted each other in, in you know what types of creatures they were how they behaved whether you know uh, whether people could see them or not and so I ended up having to sort of pick and choose and make my own and sort of take ownership of it that way um, in the same way that, you know, if you're creating a vampire, it's like, okay, crosses or no crosses or garlic or no garlic. You know, everyone, every writer sort of ends up with their own version of, of, of the creature. And so that's sort of what I ended up having to do. We're speaking to author Helene Wecker. Her book is The Golem and the Genie. 
and it takes place in 1899, just as all these immigrants are landing on Ellis Island, you have created a really rich tapestry of characters and the communities in which they lived. You mentioned about doing research. It had to be very research-intensive because the way you wrote, Helene, I really felt like I was there. I felt like I could smell the, you know, the dankness, and I could smell the sour smells, and then when they were in the shelter, you know, it, I, I could just feel the claustrophobia. What kind of research was involved in um, in writing the Golem and the Ginny? Well, the first couple of years, I think it was almost half and half research and writing, and certainly um, over you know, there, there was research in, in, in the years after that. Um, but at the beginning, it was just really, really intensive. I really started from square one, having to uh, learn all of this. I did a lot of um, sort of trolling through archives. The first year that I was working on the book, I, I had the good fortune of, of being able to um, use Columbia's library. And so I just sort of went through and photocopied everything, maps and, you know, census data and, and you know, old uh, um, sort of uh, microfilm of, of, you know, defunct newspapers that were, you know, stuff about the Lower East Side, about Little Syria, um, and even just like the day-to-day stuff of, of what it was like to live in New York back then. Um, I did, I, I read a, a number of, of books and did a lot of online um, archive uh, research as well, especially the New York Public Library. I, they have an immense collection of photographs online in their, in their uh, digital image archive. And in any place in New York, any, any year, you can probably find something. Um, and it was wonderful just to be able to look at a photograph and not just know, like, okay, that building was there or it hadn't been built yet, but to get a feel for it in the way that you can only really get a feel if you look at a, a picture or stand in a particular place, not just the facts, but, but the atmosphere. And so that was incredibly helpful that, that I could do that, especially after I moved to California and I wasn't in New York anymore. And, you know, I'm sitting on a couch in California writing about 1899 New York. And if it wasn't for the Internet, it would have been a lot harder. Isn't it amazing what technology has done? Something yeah. you mentioned towards the end of the book or in your um, acknowledgments was how different it is to um, to read like the New York Times today and to read snippets from then, how they could just make slanderous, horrible remarks that what yeah. would, could be printed in the paper would never be tolerated today. So it's it's interesting how times have changed and yet they've stayed the same. Yeah, it was amazing um, reading some of those articles um, from the Times and from other papers that were just the standards of journalism were so different that someone could go into a neighborhood uh, that they weren't familiar with and just say, you know, in, in the paper, horrible things, very condescending things about the people who live there, especially about the women. And, you know, there's this one article about uh, Little Syria that compared the beauty of the women on the street to the women of other neighborhoods. And it was the sort of thing that you know, no one in their right mind would, would publish today. They'd be, be drummed out of the industry. But back then it was it was just, you know, that was what you did. <laughs> It's so fascinating. Uh, Helene's website is HelaneWecker.com. It's spelled H-E-L-E-N-E-W-E-C. 
K-E-R.com. The book is The Golem and the Genie, but Genie is spelled J-I-N-N-I. Uh, talking about the spelling of genie or Ginny, however it's said, because I know you've said it's pronounced both ways. In uh, historical records or in Syrian uh, folktales, is it more apt to be spelled J-I-N-N-I? Well, it's a transliteration um, from the Arabic, and I think J-I-N-N-I comes a little closer to the exact pronunciation, which I can't do because I'm not an Arabic speaker, and, and so, you know, I would try to pronounce it, and I would not, you know, I would not get it right, and then I would try it again and not get it right, so I ended up just going myself with, with the, the pronunciation genie, which is more familiar to Western speakers, um, but G-E-N-I-E, I think these days tends to have more of a feeling of sort of the West idea, the westernization of of the myth and and you know ideas of magic carpets and harems and and you know uh, Robin Williams in the Aladdin movie and so exactly. on. Exactly, that's I think that's what we know it as, right? Yep. It's mostly yep. it is mostly the magic carpets. Your genie was very very interesting though because for first of all he's just so filled with confidence and you know he's just and he's handsome and all this, but he does not grant wishes even though he came out of a, uh, a out of a pot. Right. <laughs> so, are, are most of the mythological genies in the novels or in you know in the um, in the myths and folklore that you read? Do they get trapped in you know in lamp, magic lamps and all those kind of things? They get trapped in in lamps. They get trapped in other objects. They um, they sometimes will like live in in rocks or in particular caverns. Um, in the stories, they tend to be tricksters, and I think that's part of the thing about the, the wishes is that usually it's that third wish that traps the wisher. Um, and that was one thing that I was sort of I, I didn't want to give him the ability to make wishes because I, that ends up feeling more like. It's about the person who's doing the wishing and not about, you know, and I wanted this to be his story as well as the golems. Well, um, what so, was fascinating, I think, was their relationship. And that's yeah. what's so interesting is the golem and, and the genie have a chance meeting and the friendship that they, that they devise and how they learn to help each other get along in this, you know, this early 20th century, very crazy place called New York City that it has nothing to do with the desert or with the ghettos of Poland. Mm-hmm. They really do sort of, they're both in a way like almost the ultimate immigrants in that not only do they not understand where they are, but they don't understand the people around them like on a very basic level just because they're not human. And so in that way, they are each other's only real confidants once they do meet each other and, and um, sort of uh, recognize each other for what they are. But at the same time, they have very opposite points of view on many things. Um, she's driven to sort of serve others and be of use, and um, he is um, sort of the ultimate free spirit who is now chafing at, at having to live in New York in, in human form and, and conform to human society's rules. And so even though they completely understand each other, they they argue all the time and, and they can't see each other. They have a hard time seeing each other's point of view. So in that sense, they're sort of like they're a great couple and, and they 
the bigger constantly, which is which was a lot of fun to write. Well, and it seems like to me that represents every man or every woman, and it represents relationships today as well as relationships between different cultures today. And, yeah, I and yet know, they I found wanted... a, found a way to communicate. Sorry. They found a way to communicate. Oh yes, yes, they did. And I wanted it to. I wanted to make it a real relationship. I wanted it to be, you know, not just they see each other across the street and oh, they, you know, sort of, sort of a that that very sort of surface romantic feel. I wanted it to be that they really got to know each other, and um, and maybe that says something about. Um, I don't know, men and women getting to know each other today and how a lot of it can sometimes be arguments. But, uh, but I feel, I felt like it, it I, I really wanted to, to give their, uh, their relationship a real feel and give it its due. So it ends sort of with a cliffhanger. And, uh, do we have a second, uh, a second chapter of The Golem and the Genie coming? I would absolutely love to write a sequel. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, there's, uh, nothing has been um, planned, but I think it would be great. And, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, the book has just been released, and I know that it is a popular favorite. So, you know, I think that the chances are really great. And all the characters that you've created in here were just so very fascinating. And I imagine that many of them, you know, sprang out of not only your research, but perhaps their conglomeration of or a compendium of people that you have met in, you know, or mm-hmm. had stories about. Because, uh, you know, like the, the bakers, I could just smell all the breads and the chala. And I mean, you know, it was, it was wonderful the way that you wrote it. Well, let's give out your website again. The website, the name of the book, first of all, is The Gollum and the Ginny, and, or Genie, however you want to pronounce it. It's spelled J-I-N-N-I. The author is Helene Wecker, and her website, HelaneWecker.com. What do you hope people take away from it? Um, I want people to take away questions um, more than any sort of message. Just a lot of the book is about finding out for themselves, people finding out for themselves where they sort of fall in the struggle between tradition and modernity and between religion and, and, and skepticism. And so maybe just thinking about that for themselves. Well, see, I loved it because I think that everything is possible and whatever you believe, you know, can be true. So whether it's golem or genies or angels or vampires, whatever, how fun this is to create these, these, uh, this life where anything can happen. And we really don't know who it is that we're talking to. So pick up a copy of The Golem and the Genie. Thank you so much, Helene, for being here with me on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. And once again, congratulations for launching your first novel and have such a great time on your um, publicity tour. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was really great. Oh, this was really fun. And thank all of you for being great listeners and allowing Heather and I into your life each week. Make sure you're tuned to World Talk Radio and Star Style every Thursday, 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific and 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. We want to be your personal growth success coaches and bring you the authors from across the planet who really can enhance your life and entertain you. For more information about Star Style Productions, you can visit StarStyleProductions.com. 
to make a donation to Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this show and all the authors on it, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. And our aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, and motivate. See beyond your physical being. Know you're already a star. Cherish the past. Dream of the future. But celebrate every moment of your life. And read a book this week because it's like a garden in your pocket. And until next week when we play again, remember for every beauty there's an eye to see it. For every truth there's an ear to hear it. And for every love there is a heart somewhere to receive it. Love always wins, kindness prevails, and smiles keep us happy. I'm Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. I thank you and encourage you. Go out into the world and be the star you are. We'll play next week. Thank you for tuning in every week for the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Our goal is to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to reach for the stars and shine brightly. For further information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. You're invited to our Power Party next week and every week right here on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel with the dynamic duo, the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, our health hero, Heather Brittany, and the pioneers on the planet. We'll pour more champagne for the spirit with positive, uplifting, life-changing radio. Until we play again, be the star you are. You are.